0: Thank you all for coming this morning. I know you came expecting. I know I did. And we are so privileged to have a special speaker all the way from Louisiana. And I understand that uh, Paul and Casey are from... uh, 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 I I made some notes, so I wouldn't forget. from Stonewall, Louisiana, which is by Shreveport. Shreveport. So... um, I've been in that area, and they got some pretty good food down there. They do. Uh, Floyd has been in ministry for 26 years, but for the last six years, he's been the lead pastor of a le- Living Word. Uh, they have grown so that now they have three campuses, and so we're excited that they made the trip to Gaiman and we they had a real special reason for coming, though, because Casey grew up right here in this church and she's uh, she's part of our church family and her parents have been so very faithful and loyal and, and uh, we couldn't do without them. So we're real privileged to have both of them and we're going to hear from both of them. Paul tonight and Casey, I mean Paul this morning and Casey tonight. So come on up Floyd and thank you so much for coming all this way to share with us. Thank you
1: so much. Amen. How y'all doing today? You good? Um, before I get started, I, I wanted to just uh, kind of return some of that um, just honor and love to Pastor Margaret um, and uh, the team here, and just always a privilege to be here. Um, had an opportunity to share and speak here over the years. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I never uh, take for granted the opportunity to be around people and to stand in the pulpit of people who have pioneered things for the Lord and that not only started something but are uh, continuing to build and to lead steadily and faithfully and love people. Sometimes I don't know that we realize how hard that is Um, whenever you talk about being in ministry and you talk about doing the things that God's put in your path to do that are impossible for us and to lean on him, and to have faith, but also to do it, and lead people, that's a hard thing to do, and uh, and to do it as faithfully, and as long as, as you have, and and um, I just want to honor you, and I was just thinking about, um, you know, just being back here, and, and this is the stage that uh, Casey and I, my beautiful wife, we actually got married right here on this stage, that was uh, wood paneling back here, back then though, still there, it was painted up, and um but uh, just love this house. It feels like home. And uh, we, uh, like she said, we've uh, pastored in um, uh, Stonewall, Mansfield area, uh, been there for 26 years. And the last six years, we've had the opportunity to be the lead pastors. And, um, but it feels like home. Uh, we served a pastor for, uh, uh, that has just was celebrating his 40-year anniversary, the founder of the church. And um, it's just something special about that. And you can feel the maturity in the soil. You can, it's, I tell people all the time, we're just benefactors of what those that went before us have done. It's almost like you can just spill seed into the soil and it just grows. And it's because of how um, much work was put into uh, the plowing and, the, and, uh, and not just planting seeds, but making sure the culture and the soil is full of faith. And, uh, and so I just want to honor you and just say thank you for doing that and, and making a way for people like us, young whippersnappers, to come and to, and to you know what, to, that your uh, your ceiling would be our floor, that we would be able to stand on your shoulders and do even more for the kingdom. And so we appreciate that. We well, you all give it up for Pastor Margaret and the team. course, I mentioned my my beautiful wife, Casey, and uh, she is going to be speaking tonight, and we stayed up last night and just talked about the different things we felt like the Lord was putting on our heart to share today, and you don't want to miss it. Listen, I I promise you, ladies, um, it's going to be a night of freedom and healing and refreshing, and uh, I just believe that what the Lord's put in her heart to share is going to it's going to lighten the load I think it's going to really connect with the passage that Pastor Margaret was even sharing a minute ago and um, and and I want to encourage you to come and bring somebody with you because I really do have an expectation that there's going to be some awesome deposits tonight um, my, my, my daughter Ryan is here she's in the back she doesn't usually like it when we recognize her but she's on the back wall sitting next to Nana and her cousin and uh, that's my daughter Ryan she's a senior in high school this year And, um, she, I know she looks like she's graduating college, but she's graduating high school and, uh, but just gorgeous, beautiful, takes after her mama and, uh, everybody said amen. And, um, and so, but, uh, just glad that she could make the trip with us. We've got a couple of other kids. We've got an older son who, uh, his name is Connor. He's 20, about to be 21. And then we've got, uh, the caboose is, uh, 15 Brady and, um, and so they're both back home because they had other things to do. And so anyway, um, I want to I wanna share um, a little bit about um, something that the Lord put on my heart um, a, uh, a few years ago. Actually, I think it's been a couple of years. And I really felt like it was a, a word that he was giving me an assignment to go and to share when I had opportunity. And so I've actually been able to share this some different churches just through relationship. i have got some overseers and friends and peers that I feel like the Lord kind of brought me and 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 even though I would, like even yesterday this week had written up some different things that I, I was also stirring in my heart to preach. And, um, but woke up this morning, I knew this one was kind of there and I just really felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to share this. This is, this is what I want you to do today here in this place. And so, um, if you got your Bible or device, I know they'll put it on the screen, but I always love to encourage you to go find it. Highlight, underline, take notes. Um, but we're going to just hang out in Joshua chapter 3 a little bit today. And I'm going to share some things with you that um, helped, um, it, it, it built some faith in me. Um, you know, I, I, I t- we, we told you that you know, we've been lead pastors for about six years now, a little over six years, and um, and obviously there was a transition that took place in our church where, you know, there was a passing of the baton. There was some things that happened that it was a new season, and it doesn't just happen whenever there's a change of leadership. There's new seasons in all of our life. There's new seasons that God brings us to and brings us through, and there's always more that God wants to do in our life. There's always build. When you're building the kingdom, as a Christian, when you're walking with the Lord and you're building the kingdom, there's going to be some monumental seasons in life that it's really crucial that we um, are obedient and that we follow some of the, the, the things that we can even see here that, that would enable us to be able to step successfully into the places that God wants us to, and I don't believe that God's really a formula God. You can't put him in a box or put a formula together that somehow causes miracles and breakthroughs and, you know, all of those things. There are some things, though, that we can glean and learn from that are principles and patterns that we see throughout God's people that, that can inspire us and that can build our faith and help us see some things and that's what I want to do today is just share a couple of things in this, this passage um, that I believe will, will encourage you. In Joshua chapter 3, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read through. We're going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read through um, and kind of break the, the verses apart uh, just for the sake of time. But in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan, and all the children of Israel, and, and uh, um, he, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So they were getting ready to cross over the Jordan. Now, you know, most of you, uh, many of you, know where we're at in the story of the children, of the people of God that had just been delivered out of Egypt forty years prior to this. They had an opportunity to cross once before into the Promised Land, but because of their lack of faith, God didn't let them pass over matter of fact he said everybody that's 20 years old anybody that's older than 20 years old of that generation you'll you'll actually um, won't have permission you're going to die out um, before you have uh, the opportunity to cross over into the promised land and so he was raising up a different generation that would have faith that would believe that wouldn't be so caught up with Egypt in the way of the of, of Egypt that they would have faith um, in what God wanted to do and So it was a period of about 40 years. So right now that you've got people around there the the age of 60 um, uh, at the kind of the highest uh, age, along with many other generations that have now been born and raised up. And now they're right here at this moment where God is giving them the green light to pass over into the land that he promised them in the very beginning. And so they're right here. They're lodging right now on the side that they've been on. They're lodging right now next to the river, and it says, uh, so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. It's really key scripture. Whenever we go places with the Lord, whenever we live for him, he's going to always take us on a journey where we've never been before. Right? doesn't mean just geographical, just in seasons. But there's going to be some things that he's going to introduce into our lives that are part of his promises, and it's going to be a little bit different. It may even be a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I, I, I love to travel. Um, I love the idea of traveling, and, and I love the idea of going places. Casey and I, we love to go. We love to, uh, we were just in Bulgaria and Ireland just a month ago, and uh, we, I love to go to Africa, and I love to, to go and explore here domestically, different places, and travel. I like the idea of it, and so we go, but there's a lot of times just that I just get uncomfortable, also being places that I'm not sure of. I kind of get a little anxiety. And, and so I, as we go, I'm always trying to pick places that I feel like are, are kind of safe. Like I, 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 can, I feel like it's going to be comfortable. It's not real crowded. There's not a lot of people there. So I can have some time to just kind of check things out. And I don't like just being thrown into uncomfortable places where I got to try to figure it out. I I I love the comfort of knowing systems and patterns of life. I I love knowing that that uh what which lane I need to be in at this intersection. I love knowing right what the food is going to taste like. Like there's a comfort to being where we've been, but I also know that if I don't step outside and go and 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 trust the Lord and move outside into places I've never been, then I probably won't experience all that God has for me, right? And so he says, you're going to go somewhere you've never been. And and then he says, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Other versions say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Another translation, the ESV says tomorrow he's going to do amazing things among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Verse 8, You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Another translation says that you'll place your feet, the soles of your feet will stand in the water. Verse 11 Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of, your, of the feet of the priests of those who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off. They're going to part. And the waters that come down from upstream and they'll stand up as in a heap. Verse 15, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and their feet dipped into the edge of the water. Now listen, in parentheses of, of the New King James Version in other places, it tells you that it was harvest time, but it's because it was harvest time, it was also flood season. Because of that, the Jordan overflowed all its banks during the whole time of harvest. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel before into the places where this is talking about. I've never been but I've heard people talk about getting water baptized. This is actually the same spot that many believe that Jesus was water baptized. So we know that at some point in in the season that it's it's actually not that risky. You could probably swim it, right? You could just get into the river and, and you can get water baptized and you could probably cross it. But at this point in time, it was the flood stage. So it was overflowing its banks. And then it says this in verse 17. It says, Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts to so just ponder and, and to evaluate, and, and let's decide as we're moving into something. Like I, I can't think of really a better time to even minister this word here. And there's a building that's being built, right? There's been some shifts and some changes and there is transition in the air. But it's not just here. I want you to know that it's in the church. That there is a transition. There is a season changing. The winds are blowing. There is a greater hunger for the things of God. There is a greater drawing of people coming into the house of God. That there is something that we are on the edge of as as a church. And it's really important that we lean in and we actually begin to watch and be aware in my own life, corporately, that there's something that God wants to do that's different. And the very first instruction that he gives them is this He says, Whenever you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord pass, I want you to follow it. Now, that seems really simple, but you know, if you really think about this, number one, the ark of the covenant. That's where really was a symbolic of that's where the presence of the Lord dwelt among the people. As long as they saw the ark passing, they knew God was with them. So it represented God with us, represented his presence, right? They didn't have the opportunity like we have to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, that there had to be a image that represented. Now, I know God's everywhere all the time, but it was a Sign from God that I am with you, okay? And he said, it's important that when you see it pass, that you follow it. And I just, as I read this one day, the Lord just stirred my heart. And he said, if you're going to go places that you've never been, you've got to follow my spirit. You've got to follow the spirit of God. And, and here's the thing is we would say, yeah, I, I know, I, I believe that I am, The reality, if we were all honest, there's other things that we put in place of his presence and spirit that we follow. We we follow other voices. We follow our feelings. We follow, um, uh, you know, uh, our fear. We follow resources. We follow opportunities. You know, not every opportunity is God. Not every blessing is really a blessing from God. Sometimes it's a foothold of the enemy. Not everything that we think is good is always God. And it's really important that we, number one, have leaders who are following the presence of the Lord but also that we learn to be led by the Spirit. I mean, Romans says that the children of God, the sons of God would be led by the Spirit of God, that there is a benefit that we do have now that they didn't even have then, that I can be led by His Spirit every day. I don't have to wait for the ark to pass, but I do have to be aware and sensitive and lean into what the Holy Spirit is telling me in my life. And the reality is, is that if I don't, how many opportunities would I miss in life and in seasons with the Lord? How, I might miss things because he's wanting to bring me somewhere. I'll get in default mode. I'll keep doing the same things I've always done. I'll keep living the same life I've done every day from morning till evening. And you know what? There's, a, there's great uh, a promise and profit and blessing and being steady and being consistent. But how many of you know that God wants to change the schedule up sometimes? Sometimes He wants me to get up a little bit earlier. He may want me to stay up a little bit later. He may want me to volunteer and serve in some areas that I've always said, no, that's not my calling. What if the Holy Spirit is leading me into some new things, but because I'm not being sensitive to the Spirit, I'm not stepping into what God has for me? You know, if you go back and read, one of the things that's really um, powerful about this is in Exodus 33, There was another conversation about the presence of the Lord being with his people, and it was a conversation that Moses had. And because the people were so stubborn, here's what God told Moses in the beginning of Exodus 33. He said, listen, I'll let you go in the promised land, but I'm not going with you. He told him, he said, I'll send you over and I'll give you the promise, but I'm not going to be with you. And when he told Moses that, and the people heard that, they repented. You know what it was? It was a test. He was saying, do you want the promise or do you want me? You know, sometimes we'll follow even more of the blessing than we do the presence. That as Christians, we've learned to fall more in love with everything that we gain out of following him and not just him. And to be pre- to be presence-minded and to be aware of his presence isn't just a a a prayer life of always just seeking the blessing or always seeking the help it is a beginning to develop a relationship where god even if i i I know you've promised me things but i don't want those if i can't have you i don't want to cross over if you're not going I don't want to go. Moses cried out to the Lord in Exodus 33. He said, Lord, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. How are people going to even know that we're your people if you're not with us? See, the blessings in a good life doesn't mean that it's a God life. It's a presence marked life that means it's a God life. And people will notice more of the presence upon our life and they will be drawn to the presence of God upon our life, not just because life seems good. It's that it's graceful. And it's, it's Spirit-led. Amen? So it's really important. I, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord, and maybe this is foreign language, Spirit-led, you know, Holy Spirit, presence-minded. I don't really get all of that. It's really simple. As you draw close to Him, He wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Well, there is a promise from God that he wants to not just baptize us once. He's not looking for a Pentecostal moment. Pentecost isn't a moment. It's a lifestyle of believing that his presence wants to rest in me and upon me. Amen? And there is things that we can do to activate that in our life, and we know it, right? We know that I'm choosing every day. Am I going to really rest in him and abide in that am i gonna am i gonna lean am i gonna worship am i gonna spend some time in prayer am i gonna fast right am i gonna am i gonna really lean into that or am i gonna just really keep following the pattern of the world in my carnal life thinking that you know I'm saved I'm born again I'm a Christian all that's great I'm not doubting that but you can be saved and not be led by the spirit and i want to be led by the spirit I've missed opportunities before. I remember one time i was i was uh on a treadmill at the gym in our little town in stonewall and and um it, it's it's a gym where a ton of people come in this little this little town and I go there just about every day and I was on the treadmill and, and and the treadmills face this big glass wall in front, and it's just the windows it's just nothing but glass windows and you're just looking as people are coming and going and there's a guy on a treadmill next to me and um and I didn't know him and and uh his his arm was in a sling, so it looked like he had just had maybe some kind of surgery or something he was sitting there, few treadmills down, nobody else in between us and I really felt like the Holy Spirit was nudging me to go pray for him and uh and I was like, I don't want to do that it's weird, right like we're in a gym like we're guys like we just don't we're not gonna go I'm not how am I going to even, excuse me, sir, I, I don't know, like I was just weird. I was like going over my head, and, and but I, I really felt it. But, you know, sometimes you wrestle with that. You're like, I don't know if that's the Lord, probably not, probably just me, you know, saw a guy in a sling and thought he could probably use some prayer, but that's probably just me, you know. And, um, and so I didn't do it. And then I looked over and he was gone, and I was like, woo, okay, that probably wasn't the Lord. And then like 10 seconds later, he walks in front of those glass windows right in front of me. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you missed it. Oh, man. I was like, I am, I am so sorry. And it was like the Lord purposely walked him in front of me just so he could, I could just look and see and he could just brand that on the inside of me. It wasn't about the arm, right? And it wasn't about anything except we just don't know what God wants to do. And sometimes we will talk ourselves out of being led by the Spirit because it just feels uncomfortable. I, I matter I, I promise you, if you live led by the Spirit, there will be many opportunities where you will, you will, you will look, feel foolish. That's okay. Amen. It's okay. The second thing that we see here that Um, I I have this written down. The the New King James Version says to sanctify yourselves. Other translations say to consecrate. Same word. It says to consecrate yourselves. Let's read that real quick in Joshua 3, 5. It says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The Lord will do amazing things among you. You know, consecration is just a really... It's a biblical word for preparation. So when he tells people to sanctify or to consecrate themselves, really what he's saying is, is prepare yourselves for what I'm getting ready to do. Right? There were was, was certain things in the ceremony of priests that they had to do to consecrate themselves before they worship the Lord, that there were some things that they had to get right to prepare themselves for priestly duties. And right here, it wasn't just the priest. He was telling all of the people that before you go tomorrow, today, I need you to prepare. And the Lord has really still been working this out in my life and just sharing some things, just helping me grasp this this part of life and following Him. How many of you want God to do amazing things? What if it's tomorrow? Like, there's, he, I know that there was probably a literal 24 hour period tomorrow we're crossing. But this, even prophetically for us, means that we know that God wants to do something great, but there is a time before I get there. Like, we hear the Lord speak and we know that we're going somewhere, but we got to be careful that we don't get fr- either frustrated in the waiting or that we think waiting is just waiting. Waiting isn't just sitting idle, it's always preparation. That just because I haven't seen the amazing yet doesn't mean that it's still not promised, but there is a responsibility in my life today, and it's not just to sit back and hold on till the amazing comes. It is to prepare my life for the amazing. That there is some things that God wants us to do as a church, as a church family, and also individually, that before I can even get into the amazing season that he's bringing me, that there's going to be some consecration. Now that word consecration, it is to prepare, but it is also a cleansing. It is also a letting go of some things that I can't bring with me on the other side. That there is a cleansing that needs to take place in my life. And I just I want us to know something cuz I think we live in a time where when we preach the gospel, we're afraid to make people uncomfortable in lifestyles and in things that are going on in your life and in my life because we just want to always make people feel comfortable to be around the Lord and around God's people and I think that that hard to do that. There's nothing wrong. But I also think it's unfair to believe that there's not things that God wants us to lay down, that God wants us to give up, that God wants to purge out of our life before he brings us into the seasons that he's calling us. Because here's the reason why. If I bring it with me, I won't be able to sustain where he's bringing me that the preparation of God in my life is preparing me to be able to maintain with my character and with my life and with my prayer life and with the being led by the Spirit and all the things that God does in my life in the waiting. It's not lost time. It is preparation so that whenever I get to the other side, I can maintain and sustain the promises and the blessings of God. There are times where we get too far ahead because we know it's the dream. The problem is not, is it God's real dream? Many times it's just the timing. And it's the preparation that hasn't happened in my life to be able to step over to where God's calling me. Yeah, I've been at the church here that I serve at for 26 years, 20 years serving the founder, the pastor, doing whatever, done everything but sing on the worship team. I tried it, just didn't make the cut, didn't make the cut, but I did everything else, and in that period of time, I knew that there were some big things on the inside of me that God spoke in my heart, and other people saw it. There'd be prophetic words, and there'd be people that would say things over our lives, over Casey and I, and they would say, man, I just see this, and then then it would be met with feelings of, well, how in the world is that going to happen here? How in the world are we going to be able to do that? I even had people that I was close to suggest that maybe at some point in time we would have to leave to be able to accomplish the things that God put in our hearts. And not only that, but there were opportunities that came up. There were places and pastors and people that reached out. And, there was, and it was funny because it would always come in times where we were the most frustrated, where we were being prepared the most. And we could have made decisions to say, you know what, I think it's time to go ahead and step into what I believe God has for me. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there is something special about waiting on God. And I'm not going to say that if you move, that there won't be some blessings that you see along the way, but it'll be way better whenever you wait on God and you prepare and you let him open doors that you step into. There is a grace that comes that it makes it even almost difficult to even mess it up because of the faithfulness in preparing for what God wants to do in our lives. And it works in the arena of our finances, it works in the arenas of ministry, it works in the arenas of our family and the promises and the life that we want to live. We we the, the dreams that you and I have, they're not too lofty to achieve, but we got to realize that there is a period of the bigger the dream, just you just better know the bigger the preparation. Doesn't come easy. It doesn't come with lack of my effort to allow God to do some things in my life. I, I was, I don't know if I've told this story here or not before, but I, I got to say it again. If I, if I have, it, it, I just, I got to tell you, and probably a lot of you haven't heard this, but I remember that whenever, um, years ago, we had um, uh, uh, gone Black Friday shopping. Anybody go Black Friday shopping? Anybody at all? You like that? No, nah, no, nah, not at all. You don't like the elbows, like kicking people out. I'm just kidding. I didn't do any of that. Casey does that. I don't do that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Online shopping has kind of changed all of that to some degree. And and anyway, but back then it was a good old school Black Friday shopping. Get up early, stand in line. And a friend of mine, actually one of our employees, but a dear friend, we decided to get up and go uh, to Circuit City. They had laptops and they had uh, some other things that they were selling really cheap that day on Black Friday. We're like, hey, let's go look and see if we can get one of those laptops. And he was like, well, what time do you want to go? And I was like, well, how about four o'clock in the morning? He's like, OK. And then so we got up. They opened at five. So when we got there, there was already a, like a long line, like wrapped around the building. It was freezing cold, which hardly ever happens this time of year where we're at. But it was cold. And so we were standing out there shivering in this long line, and all of a sudden I look up, we get closer to opening time, and there's people sitting in their cars, cars running, staying warm. And um, I kind of started thinking, surely, surely they're not sitting there waiting for the doors to open, and then they're going to just bypass the line. Like, that's just, all, this is Louisiana, you just don't do that, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're just asking for trouble. <clears throat> and so, sure enough, about 15 minutes till doors open, cars start shutting off, and about 30 people start coming out of the parking lot and they just get up right around the door. And instead of a line, now people are just standing by the door. Well, of course, what do you think everybody in the line's doing? Right? Like, this is, this ain't right. So, like clockwork, everybody else just begins to push in. So, there's no more line. Now it's just a mob of people. Pushing in by the doorway and I remember sitting there. we were all counting down at five o'clock the doors open And I just checked my watch and it was about five minutes till then all of a sudden to our surprise the doors open And everybody rushes in And by the time my friend and I got in there was stuff everywhere and people hollering and it was The computers were gone like everything we wanted. It was already gone. It was snatched up right so we were sitting there, and we were just browsing in the chaos, looking to see if there's anything else good to get. And all of a sudden, the police come running into the building. And they holler. There's lights flashing outside. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they're hollering. And they're, and they're getting everyone's attention. And they literally commanded everybody to drop their stuff and to get out. Everybody had to leave what they came for, put it on the floor, and they, made, they watched us. You talk about feel like a thug. I mean, I felt like, I was like, man, felt kind of cool walking out of there. And uh, I'm just kidding, I didn't. But we all walked out. And so I had to kind of research it later. I was like, what happened? Because no one was telling us what happened. I didn't know if it was because someone got, like they, they did something illegal. I, I mean, like we didn't know what was going on. And later on, I found out that, they breached, the, the, the angry mob breached the doors five minutes too soon. And whenever they breached the doors and got in, everybody followed. Well, nobody was prepared on the inside. And because we got in too soon, nobody got to get what they came in there for. And I remember thinking about that. Well, you know, I'm a preacher. I can preach anything. But I remember thinking about that and just thinking and pondering that that's like life. When I breach the doors that God's put in place on purpose, that is a block, a timing block between now and the amazing, between now and the dream coming to pass, between now and the next step. Whenever I get impatient and I press through, if I'm not careful, I'll press into a season I'm not supposed to be in yet, and I won't get to have what I was there for. But there is a season. Don't be impatient. Don't try to rush through. Embrace the preparation. Amen? The third thing that I I see here, and this is probably the most simple part, but I want to just point out a couple of things, and that is they stepped in the water. Now, I want to just back up for a second because I want you to hear this. Do you remember another body of water that God led his people through before this? the Red Sea. And if you think back, I want you to think about how God did that. Right? Charleston Heston held up the staff. Right? Everybody, 40 and older, we're all laughing. Everybody else, you're like, who is that? Right? It's Ten Commandments. Moses, right? And and Egypt is barreling down and he tells Moses, lift up the staff. The waters will part. They'll pass over. Okay. If you notice there's no stepping in the water. That that generation got to all walk on dry ground. But now somebody has to get their feet wet. Now somebody has to step before the water's part. Now if I'm if I'm those people and I've heard the stories about the Red Sea, maybe I'm one of those at 60 and I watch it. I was I was I was there. I was right on the edge of hearing the stories of how this happened. There's little graphics on the rocks painting the pictures of how God did it. I'd be saying, that's not how God did it, right? I would probably be a little resistant saying, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Joseph, here's the, here's the staff. You raise the staff. The waters part. Then we pass over. And God said, no, I want you to step in. I want you to get your feet wet. I I want you to not just pray over it. I don't want you just to worship over it. I don't want you just to look at it. I don't want you to just wait. Now, as you've come to the edge of the waters, the important thing is the step of obedience that makes the waters part. Again, I'm not a formula guy, but I promise you this. There is no next season without a step of obedience. It can look different for all of us. The Holy Spirit is amazing. And even right now, there may be things that He is stirring in your heart saying to your heart that you're at the point now where there's been preparation and there and you you feel like man there is this leading into this next season and there is this next part you've prayed over it you've prayed in the spirit over it you've fasted over it you've given towards it you have waited on it and now it's time to step and remember not only are they stepping in the water but the jordan is at flood stage I also probably would have been saying no 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 but there's a better way God. If we just wait a little while the waters are going to recede. And you know what? You don't even have to part the waters. We could probably just make it over without you parting the waters. If you are like me, we think like that sometimes. Build a building with the with the with the um The cost of building and construction and people not being able to make it, like build right now, if we just wait, costs are going to go down, right? You mean do this in the middle of a time whenever you need resources and you need money and, and there's people that are out of work and there's, listen, we're in the middle of a building project. We launched two campuses a month before COVID hit. I was like, I, I didn't realize how stupid we were. And now looking back, and, 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 and I've had conversations with the Lord. Lord, you want me to actually raise money for a building in a time when people are nervous. People are kind of freaking out a little bit about the economy, about what's going on in our world. About what's happening, and it's really hard for me to get up and say all of these things to people who I know they may be a little resistant, but, and this isn't, they didn't ask me to say this, so I'm, we're not taking up an offering for the building or anything. I don't think so. Maybe we are. I'm, I'm just saying God will lead us as a church to do some things that are a little bit uncommon, and maybe in a season, and maybe a method that doesn't make sense because, number one, it's a method we've never done before. Number two, it doesn't seem like a good time. But here's the thing. Do you want the glory or do we want God to get it? And if we always do things that make sense in the natural, if we wait and step when it only makes sense, then you and I get the glory. It's because of our leadership. It's because of our wisdom. It's because of our understanding of how things work. Be careful be careful that we don't overanalyze things to the point to where we will wait to step until it makes more sense. Because if we're being spirit-led, we've heard Him speak and we're following. Right? And if we've been preparing, we've been consecrating, and we've been getting ready for this moment, and we're not going to let circumstances keep us from moving forward. Because we got to do it. We got a step. There's a. Have you ever heard of Charles Blondin? You ever heard of Charles Blondin before? Charles Blondin is a um, French tightrope walker, and he um, was well known in the mid 1800s. He would walk the tightrope, and he would um, he, he would do these tricks. It was over Niagara Falls, and he would walk a tightrope. It was about 1,100 feet long about 160 feet above the water, and he would walk this tightrope, and then he started adding tricks to it. He would hop on it in a sack. He'd do it blindfolded. He'd carry things across, back and forth, this tightrope. And one day, he showed up, and the crowds had gathered on one side and on the other side of the Niagara Falls because they wanted to watch him. And as they watched him, he decided, I'm going to bring a wheelbarrow, and he brought a wheelbarrow out and he crossed that tightrope with that wheelbarrow. And people are cheering and people are excited and people are just, they're, un, they're amazed at how awesome this guy is, how daring it is. And so he gets to one of the sides, he pauses for a second, and he's got this wheelbarrow and he's just passed over a few times and he says, how many of you believe I could do it with somebody in it? And man, they start chanting, I believe. I believe. Everybody's like, I believe. And then the next question he asked, it got silent. And he said, do I have any volunteers? Do I have anybody who trusts me enough to get in this wheelbarrow? And I just want you to know that there's going to be a moment in life where we've got to get in the wheelbarrow with the Lord. And, and we're relying solely on His ability to get me across and to take me where He wants to take me. And I'm literally saying, God, if you mess this up, I'm done. Amen? The last thing, and we're going to close with this. My obedience will make a way for others. I love verse 17. It says, The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and they stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. You know, I mentioned earlier, somebody's got to get their feet wet. But you know, not everybody did. Not everybody did. That there was a group called priests who were given the instruction to step in the water first. And... I know that we're all really now ministers of the gospel. And I know we have offices and functions of pastors and prophets and apostles and teachers. And I know that we've got evangelists. We've got offices that function within ministry, but we're all ministers. We would all really be considered because of we're all carriers of the presence. We're all ministers. But I do believe that as we stand on the, the edge of these seasons, that there are people that maybe are the ones that the Lord is leading out front to say, I want you to step because I know they're not ready. That there's others that are going to follow, but I need those that are willing to get their feet wet to get to the front. And I love this, that not only did they get their feet wet, but they weren't the first ones across. It actually says they stood in the middle. And they waited for everybody else with dry feet to pass by. And I really felt like the Lord spoke to my heart. And it's not just about generations. It's about reaching the city. It's about reaching people. It's about realizing that when God asked me to step, it's always bigger than just me getting my promise. Now, they got there. They just weren't the first. kind of amazing that the ones who actually got their feet wet they didn't get to put their feet on the promised land first it was the others that came behind them and i just want you to know that that's how god works when god looks at you and he sees your obedience he sees people behind you and through you more than just you and he loves you don't devalue your promise. And, but God sees others through me. Sometimes we can't see that. Sometimes we're kind of wrapped up in what I need right now. But another motivation for stepping isn't just what I need right now. It is also realizing as a mature believer in the house that if anybody's got to get their feet wet, Lord, let it be me. And Lord, I will do it, not just so I get to the promised land, but that others. Look at all these empty seats right here. Those are other people that God's going to call. Those are people that God is going to bring into the house that they are going to get to take a benefit, and they're going to get to enjoy some things because of your wet feet. Pastor Margaret, you got wet feet. You and Pastor Charlie stepped in the water and pioneered things. And God cares about you making it, but the only way that you could do this this long is because of the joy of watching others benefit from your obedience. And I've never taught this part before, but if you keep reading in Joshua 4, they built a monument in the middle of the river with stones to represent where the priest stood. And I thought, you know, I know we're moving forward. I know we're going places we've never been, and we can't stay. Listen, the church isn't a museum. We're not just here to show history. We're here to move forward. But don't ever lose the honor and the gratefulness of celebrating those that put their feet in the water. And give God honor and glory for what he did. The key to moving forward is not forgetting the past. But it's also not being hung up on the past. It is honoring the past. But moving forward into what God has for us. And we're in a season of time right now in the church. Across the western church world. Where. There's a little bit of turmoil and there's things going on because we're just in a season of changes and transitions. But I'm telling you, one big key component is it's honoring and being grateful for the people and those that went before us to pave a way so that we could walk through. One day, I'll get my feet wet. One day, I'll be at the front and I'll have learned and been patterned. But you know what? I'm not expecting all of my kids and all of those that are just coming to know the Lord, I'm not expecting them to just step in the water tomorrow, but I'll do it so that they can find freedom, so that they can meet Jesus, so that they can be healed. I'll do it. The obedience doesn't have to be huge. Some of you, many of us, have been obedient to serve kids. We've been obedient to give. We've been obedient to serve each other in the house. And sometimes it can be watered down and we think just about the task. Please, for just a moment, be reminded that all of that that you do to serve each other is a step of obedience that makes a way for others to get to where God wants them to be. Amen? Amen? Will you close your eyes for just a second? Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you just speak to our heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Lord, I thank You, Lord, for all of the amazing people, many in this house today. Lord, that You used, poured into, and built their faith and allowed them to pioneer things. Do things, God, that have been such a blessing to our cities, our communities, and our lives, our families, my kids. Yeah, I wasn't really sure how I would, how the Lord wanted to kind of put a bow on this today. I'm stirred even in my own heart today to say, you know what? Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. And and, and this isn't a word just for those that have been living for God for years. Listen, today you may be in this house and you feel like, man, maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced His presence in your life. Today, right there in your heart, you can just say, Lord, I need you. I need your presence. I need your spirit. Lord, save me. Jesus, save me. Heal me. Set me free. Father, I thank you so much touching every heart, ministering to every person. You know, the other thing that I believe the Lord is doing is is that there is a move of repentance in the church. It's a move of repentance. And I believe it is a time of preparation that He is cleansing the house, not with anger and wrath, but with firmness and correction. And I think if we're honest, if we've been following Him and we're away, if we're honest, we would say, yeah, you know what? I probably hadn't been led by the Spirit. I've probably been more led by the world and by what's going on and all the other voices. Maybe right now I just need to make a decision to be led by the Spirit. Lord, I'm coming back to You. And in this moment, we would just lay our hearts open and say, Lord, search me like David and know me and reveal anything in me that you don't like. And be willing to be consecrated and to lay it down and to just say, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I know it's amazing, but right now, as I'm waiting, I'm laying down the things you've had your finger on for years that I've justified, that I've ignored, that I've gotten insensitive to, Right now, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, by your grace and mercy, to do it in me again. Do it in me again. Make me new today. Refresh me. Restore me. Heal me. And I think also the Lord is bringing us to a place of decision to say, I'll get my feet wet, I'll serve, I'll be obedient. Lord, I will step in the water and do what you've called me to do. If you are here today and you say, Man, that's me. I, I want to step in the water. I want to be obedient. I want Him to use me for our city, for our church, for families, for my kids, for the next generation. Say, I, I'm ready to get my feet wet. Whatever that means, will you just stand up with me today? Just stand up. Say, that's me. I want to get my feet wet. Some of y'all are already wet. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you bless this house. I pray that, Lord, that you bless the step. Lord, we just agree together that, Lord, that in these seasons and in these things that you're doing right now in Gaiman, and the surrounding areas, Lord, that it's bigger than a building. It's the people that are going to fill it. Lord, it's bigger than just um, the mechanics and the systems. It is about people. And, Lord, we cry out to you today. Lord, for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit that would breathe on us, that would restore us, that would build our faith, that would encourage us, that would correct us. But Lord, that would make us so attractive to those around us that they will fill the house. We pray for these other churches and denominations and that the fire of God would burn in our hearts and that Lord, we wouldn't make it just about us, but Lord, let you become the center again of everything that we do in the house of God. Jesus, you get all the glory and all the praise. I pray everything be done by you, through you, and for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we do this? Can we give him some honor and some praise for just a second? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
0: It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to Partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God. We would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.